0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode seventy-two. I'm Brentley. I'm Dan. This Hello. is Dan. Uh, and today we are joined by Richie. Richie, over here, this way. Uh, <laughs> it's like mirror image. Mirror image uh, is from the UK. Um, had a very personal viral thread about uh, his detransition experience. And we wanted to kind of get into it and just see, you know, where the conversation went. It's a very interesting topic right now. Um, with It's the most taboo topic right now. It's the most now, ta- taboo, especially as, you know, they are coming for the children, trying to trans the children. I think it's very important we speak to uh, people like Richie who have, you know, been through the process and back.
1: But before we get into it.
0: Before we get into it. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, share the show with your friends. Just one share with one of your friends really helps us out. And if you love the content, if you want to go that extra nine yards, you can become a financial supporter of the show. Um, there are links in the description
1: to donate yeah. via we'll, Venmo, PayPal. We'll be happy to take your money. <laughs> yes. And if you
0: want to send crypto, we can take that too. Just DM me and I'll send you wall address.
1: Send your digital fake money. Richie! (laughs) Richie, welcome. Thank you so much
0: for joining us, for making the time. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah. So I guess we'll kick it off with that thread that you mentioned, Brent, because I think maybe we should kind of go over that and how Richie's story really got out there. And perhaps what provoked you, Richie, to like write that thread, to really detail your experience about what happened to you. So, you know, go over the thread, perhaps, you know, as much detail as you want to share about what you shared. In yeah. You don't story. have to go into all. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and then go into what happened after and, you know, how that thread took off and then what has like changed in your life since then. And then maybe we'll backtrack a little bit from there. Sure.
2: So let's talk about the lead up of that thread. So, up until that point um there wasn't many other male detransitioners out on Twitter sphere or social media because what tends to happen is they just get hounded off or they get to like you know have the details released and uh and they just generally fade away and um a guy called Jaden he was he's only 22 23 he posted um a response to what is a woman. Um, and that really started taking off because he's do trans and he's, he's Twitter started, like it was a new account and his Twitter just started blowing up and all of a sudden he had about 10,000 likes. Hmm. And the harassment that came his way was brutal, like really brutal. Um, this is somebody who's been on POD bloggers since a teenager um he he's had he's had a lot of like medical issues too and a lot of people were just calling him fake and all the usual shit oh. um and he panicked and uh, it, it was up for maybe a day when it was going really well for him i was uh i thought that was like you can never predict what what's going to happen with these things um oh, man. You, you know really, you
1: really can't in this day and age for real
2: yeah you
1: can't the internet is like crazy the way things spread around Ah. and you know the the people who share it and the eyes that get on it it's crazy
2: yeah um so he lasted about a day or two and he deleted everything social like everything he panicked he lives see it's much different for people in the us um than it is in the uk because Yes, you can get like a brick through your window, cause I know of a certain instance that that's happened. Somebody I know who spoke out for detransitioning wow. um, twice actually. You wow. can you can get like harassed on the street and shit, but in America, some of them take it to the next level. And he was in an area that was very very how should we say captured, right? Mm-hmm. And he had very legitimate concerns about his family, his job, his career. You know, he's only, he's only early 20s.
0: Yes. And,
2: um, you know, and then things were getting discussed on 4chan and then on Kiwi Farms and all these other places. Uh, and it wasn't like it wasn't really the, Here's the funny thing, like Kiwi Farms and 4chan have like for me and for him and a few others have actually been quite reasonable in some cases really understanding like the political board on 4chan like paul which is like normally like some very interesting individuals had some of the most empathy and i was just like i was blown away by that it was crazy like if you can get empathy off paul on 4chan (laughs) you know what i mean it was crazy anyway so going back um he didn't he wasn't dealing really well and he still had a lot he people were people had were talking about it a lot and um and he wasn't wasn't dealing well and i didn't just do it for him but i was i was sitting on this for a while i was like i really need to talk about this i don't know how i'm gonna word it exactly i really need to talk about this because this is a topic that comes in the d trans male group quite often Uh 'cause because there's like a background support group just for males um, and there's quite a lot of us now. And uh, how many would you say? Just a rough estimate. I don't want to give away the numbers, but oh, it's fine. there's enough to do. Uh, let's just say if there were researchers interested, then there's more than enough for an adequate sample size. Wow. Wow. More than enough. That's hard. Um, and that's only in since March. And this is a very closed private group so to get in you it's not just a case that drops a dm and we'll talk it's like we do a lot to make sure it's it's right for you because you don't want people who are just coming in just having a look around and then going like if your intention is you're kind of to me detransition transition doesn't just mean changing your name or changing your hormones or having surgery. it doesn't mean that. It means disengaging from the mindset, right? So if you are disengaging from the mindset, you're welcome. But if you are still deep in it, we're not there to convert you or anything like that. That's your business, right? If you believe it.
1: For people who've already sort of, they've made the decision. They made it. They know already what they want.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like people who are like, we want to detransition, but there's no support out there. Because what happens is, one of the reasons people retransition is everything affirms you back to transition. Everyone and everything medical and cultural, everything. It's so easy. It's much easier to retransition than it is to stay de-transition for a variety of different reasons. But anyway, back to the thread. Um, I'd been sitting on this um, and. I really wanted to carry on the discussion that because J- Jaden was talking about multiple sclerosis um, and all the physical impacts he had from puberty bloggers, right? Um, and he, he said he wanted to do the same thing on, on surgery, but you, you just can't. Well, we're in contact. Um, he's, he's doing well, but he, he's trying to like completely disconnect from this because he had that taste and he's like, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Funny. Honestly, it's you have to have,
1: you have to have, I think, a certain disposition to deal with the public realm and to, to go out there and become a public figure and to really speak and to own what you're saying and deal with the backlash. People are going to do all types of crazy shit. I like, can't even
0: imagine what that much negative attention coming, yeah. you know, my way would do. Like, we haven't had that thing no, God so far. Thankfully. Um, so, and to have I've it a so young well, and, and when you're in that, like in a, a fragile mental state, I can definitely understand disengaging engaging completely.
2: It yeah. not yeah. it didn't like the, there's this expectation for when people detransition that it might be a good idea to speak out immediately and stuff, but he'd been detransitioned a while, but it, it's this whole sort of What benefit do you really, are you going to get by giving yourself, getting all the eyes on you, what you're doing it for? Like, what's your long-term sort of goal? Because that's quite a lot to give yourself away on social media. And um, I don't think he really wanted it to go very far. I think it was just more or less venting and it got picked up. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, and that happens, you know. People vent on Twitter all the time. I do sometimes,
2: stupidly. Um so i was sat on this thread it'd been it'd been a few days since he had been gone and and then uh i was like "Fuck it what well, not i was having a bad time with dealing with my own regret i was talking with people in the group who were having similar issues some have got some have got it better some have got it equal some have, there, there is no better or worse than this there really isn't and it, I was so fucked off and I was like, I need, I need to write this and I need to put it in a way that normal people will understand what it means, like without using any other woo-woo language, just going boom, straight away. And then I hit that. Um, and I knew it would probably in my circle, because I only had a, a few thousand followers over like a, two or three, maybe three months. Still quite a decent size. I thought I was rocking it at, like, 5,000. It was, like, fucking 5,000 people. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I just kind of tweeted it, left it, and then the next day I came back, and it was just absolutely, like, exploding. Wow. Um, and then I saw that bits were getting um, mass reported, obviously. Um, and then J.K. Rowling came in, and she was like, she retweeted the archive, so everyone had a good chance to have a look at what I said. And um, bless her, she's yeah. she is an act. She is an actually a lovely, lovely person. And um, Joel.
1: <laughs> she always um, always seemed authentic to me, you know. And I've been a fan of Harry Potter and all that chip for a long time. And yeah. interviews and stuff I've seen with her over the years, she seems like a genuinely caring person. I know she gives a lot of her money away to charity and to promote literacy and things like that. So
2: Lumos um is a very very if you want to know anything you want to know about JK rather than look at Lumos which is a charity that she runs and it's about stopping child trafficking. Yeah. Um I think that kind of says a lot about a person's character, I mean like to it does to really it does. Want to put she's put so much effort and money into that. And she does a lot for, like, any, like, you know, any normal person who's just talking about books, she might just come in the thread and she's like, but what, she'll just make somebody's day just by... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That must!
1: I mean, if you're on Twitter and you're, on like, talking about books and then J.K. Rowling just pops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine it makes your day. I remember, so last time we had Laura on the show, we talked to her a bit about... JK following her on Twitter and what that was like. She was like, man, JK seeing all of my self deprecating emo posts now. Damn it.
2: Um, <laughs> that must be weird, though. It really must she be. She was weird. there, though. Yeah. She was there when I had about 700 followers. She followed wow. me like, very early on.
1: I believe that, man. I believe that she really seems to have uh, put the effort out into seeking out these voices and trying to figure out this issue and to really address it. And she put her whole damn name on the line to do it, you know,
2: and empowered, Empowered is yeah. what I would say. Um, and it's a, she knows the power in the tweets, like how much it means to people and stuff. And when she, so when I went, like showed me face for the first time, um, she. I said, here goes nothing, and then updated me profile picture with me face. And then JK responded, not nothing with a little lightning symbol. And I was like, ah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I would react the same way, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you need a sound clip that one. But, um, oh, yeah. um, so, so I was like, holy shit. But she'd also dropped us uh, a private DM too and she's just such a lovely 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 person um there's there's one or two other things happening in the background but let's just say Joel is just an amazing individual and yeah. she does a lot for women and she does a lot for detransitioners, and she does a lot for gay people too um i think it's people are like oh it's all about pr and shit. i'm like this is the worst pr for an when you think about it, like if the whole world is like pro trans, this is like terrible PR. Like, <laughs> it's much easier just to be like, oh no, trans women, are women. and all that sort of shit. So, no, the g-
1: gushing about JK a bit, but shout out to her. No, I, I agree with everything you said. You know, she does seem like a genuine, yeah. Critic.
2: Um, so the thread just got huge. I I was trying to look at the court tweets and I just couldn't I just couldn't fucking like load them because there was that many. Um and I, I could only see in the end I could only manage to see about fifty or sixty out of the five or so and a half thousand court tweets wow. because it was getting mass reported, it wasn't showing up, it was um the the courts weren't loading and I don't know, there's all sorts of weird fuckery happening with that thread. Um, and I would imagine it got mass reported as shit because yeah. of the stuff I was talking about. Um, because they hate the truth. They really do. And it's just like everyone, like all the big name trans people were like, you know, trying to shit on us straight away. Like, what are you on about, mate? This is fucking ridiculous. And you're just like, um, just let it, let it brew, let it brew. And then before I knew it, trans people themselves were like, actually... This is kind of... So they start with, it's kind of true. Here's my experience. And then they basically tell you, like, everything you said. But they're like, it's kind of true. So it's true. It's kind of true. And it's like, no, it's it's fucking true. And...
1: They're dancing around it. It's
0: like that fact checker thing where it's, like, mostly false when yeah. actually whatever was said was 100% the truth.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um. So, I had a lot of followers after that because of that, and I was like, that's crazy. And then, um, I announced to the world that I was suing the gender clinic in the UK, um, as a big fuck you. And then everyone just started freaking out, especially trans people, <laughs> like, you came out of nowhere, and you just like, and I had all the, you know, um. I was always born female, I'm an FTM, I'm a Turf Larpin, and I'm like, Motherfucker, where were you when I needed affirmation all those years ago to tell us? You know what I mean? But, um, whatever. So, it's, uh, it, it is tragic when uh, de-trans people pass better than trans people, though, when without trying. But um, that's just proud. Damn, um, that must piss some of them off. <laughs> it really fucking does. It really fucking pisses them off um good like
0: you're like like apostates it's it's much the same how when somebody leaves a religion like Scientology I think is a good example
2: yeah that's exactly what I said to Benjamin Boyce when I had my first interview with him Yeah. yeah it was March or April um before I was public and I was just known as Tulip um and I talked about this and I I loved that was a lot of fun then because I was, I had no intention of going public then, so just went all in. I was just like, all in, and, it went, and uh, <laughs> I had great fun. I was just talking to absolute garbage, but it was all true. It was like, it was radical, like, sort of metaphors about the church. It was raw, as raw as you can get raw. about it. Yeah. Raw. raw, as I would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. It was, I, I enjoyed that a lot. And um, I made that comparison with Scientology too. Um, and I actually referenced, I can't never, never get her surname right. Leah, she was She was in King of Queens yeah. um, and she left Scientology and she did a interview with Joe Rogan in about 2014. Leah Remy, was it Leah Remy? I'm pretty sure that was Ramini 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 yeah, Remini, yeah. Right. right Um, that in that interview in I remember watching that eh when it first came out thinking it was interesting and then in about 2019 2020 I kept coming back to that interview and I must have watched it about three or four times over the space of a few months I was obsessed with it hmm. and I couldn't understand at the time why and i was just like i don't i couldn't i couldn't at the time for two and two but i was trying to think to myself why do i relate so strongly to this story why do i feel so and i just couldn't i couldn't rationalize it and i thought it was something to do with being raised um in a like roman catholic environment but very lapsed like my dad isn't religious My mom's side of the family is more religious but it was like you know we did Sunday school and all that shit, um, till like eight or nine, and then we just kind of left because we only really did it again at the good school sort of thing. But we're very casual Catholics, and I was thinking, oh, maybe it was something to do with like, you know, I went through me before I transitioned. I was uh an arrogant little fucking New Age atheist, piece of shit, <laughs> you know. Like, I you had know? that phase
1: too. I I definitely had that phase. I too. think
2: <laughs> a lot of pre sjw people yes. have that as well um it's easy to shit on religion and it's even easier to shit on christianity because yeah. no one's going to come and cut off your fucking head you know what i mean but you it's might want to cut that um no, no pun intended no, we, can,
1: we, we can keep that in there's definitely a, dis, a difference in how uh you know the radicals in particular religions respond to things so there yeah. is yeah.
2: there yeah. is that's another uh, subject
1: for another time <laughs>
2: The the so actually let's let's stay on that topic and talk about how radical Christians respond. They respond in what I would call targeted aggressive legislation okay. like and they do it they do they do it in a very soon as the opportunity arises, they pounce soon as there's something about anti transition they'll come in with anti abortion and they'll come in with anti l g b and the pile on, and the they 're just so desperate to say this shit um and this is something i 've noticed in and I knew it was going to happen. it was always going to happen you can 't fucking stop it, and um, what you can do is mitigate it though um and I believe rather than so what I saw sat back was a narrative that had spun out of control you got sides who are like the 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 vast difference between them was, like going like, larger and larger. No one was really paying attention. Excuse that. It's New York. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we are in Manhattan. Just to remind everyone, so <laughs> it
1: comes with the territory.
2: Um. So sorry, I just I heard the train. Yeah, no, it's, a it's a loud. Fire, truck horn, a fire yeah. I think it was a fire <laughs> it was a Fire horn.
1: horn. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Oh, so, like from. a
1: you
0: were going on about the uh, similarities between um, religious, you know, experiences and, and trans ideology, which
2: is kind yeah. of—it has become kind of a religion. It is a religion because transphobia is New Age blasphemy. Yes, you know, it's a modern form of, and speaking out against trans anything is, um, what's the proper word? When you're a heretic. Uh, heretical. Yeah, heretical. Yeah. <laughs> Politically if, incorrect. Uh, if you're Muslim, it's haram <laughs> to do
1: that. Yeah. 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 And yeah.
2: um, sacrilege. That's a good one. Sacrilege. Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, so here's the thing. And I kind of knew this would happen when I came out. So the narrative around detransitioners is they did it because they couldn't pass. Well, Fuck you, first of all, because people can't even get me gender right now. Two, they did it because of acceptance and struggle in society. Never, ever, ever got misgendered because of point one, right? Um, I did have some family initially who weren't on board, and I have spoke to them in a long time, and I didn't detransition for them at all. Those relationships probably won't ever change, and that's, again, nothing to do with why I detransitioned. However... All my relationships have more or less changed the same, but the ones that. Guess which ones have changed. Can you take a guess which group of people I do not hear from anymore? Take a guess. Probably trans people. Oh my god, how did you guess that? just so a wild, wild guess, man. I don't know. I just had a feeling. Like, hell, that. dude, you're like, you gotta a keep it or something. <laughs> shit, oh, <dude>. shit. <laughs> I mean, you
1: so it, crazy. so I, I actually, I want to backtrack a little bit and I want to learn a little bit more about Richie, you know, where Richie comes from. Um, where, you know, where were you born? Where were you raised? Um, and we can kind of start there and then maybe go into a bit of like, when you started to feel maybe signs of dysphoria and that sort of thing. And when that journey for you began, Right, leading to all the decisions that led up to you, you know, doing everything else, right, and detransitioning, etc.
2: So, I was born in eighty-seven, and I come from um, the northeast of England, from ex-mining towns because it was all mining industry up here. My dad was a miner, and um, he stopped being a miner was very, very young when the pits were closing. It was a very politically difficult time uh, up here. Um when when that was occurring. Um I how should I say it? a very sort of working class background, should we say? Um there's not a great there was never a great deal of culture in the northeast. like if you were growing up as LGBT. Um, the norm was by the time you could, you would just fuck off somewhere else. Like you don't stay there, <laughs> yeah. right? Great. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not the place to be gay or any any type of anything. And from a young age, I when I was very little, because I I did a lot of gendered play and I would dress up as me teachers and pretend to be the headmistress but I only had female teachers. What else am I, who else am I going to like, pretend when I'm playing teacher? I've only ever seen female teachers. Yeah. Of course I'm gonna dress up like that. But my retcon memory was like, oh, even when I was four or five, I wanted to be the teacher to, sign, to share a sign. I wanted to be a woman. It's got nothing to do with interpreting people that you look up to or whatever. Yeah. Um, and when I was seven, um, I wanted to be a ballerina and I, Tried to be a ballerina because in private, when I was eight, but I, I got caught wearing a tutu. It was really oh. humiliating. Oh dear. Um, and it was just like I knew from an early age that I was interested in really feminine things, and I shouldn't be. And I looked at other like I looked at other gay kids because I knew I was gay, but I just I couldn't rush. Okay, it took us to like a few years couple like the last year or something to really say actually I think I'm just gay. Like yeah. it took a long fucking time. Um and um I'm just sorry, I was, I was just I just realized I had the window open, me my neighbors were sat in the garden no, that's okay me, like just talking shit <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, it's fine. <laughs> um so, where was I? Where was I? Uh, in the Northeast uh, and gay. Gay, gay kids. Kid. So, I'd looked at other camp kids and I was thinking, if I act like that, I'm fucked, right? My family was very macho. They were like, love it. It was like a loving family, but every family's got dysfunction. And um, I don't want to talk too much about that because I do think my parents obviously did try the best. But there were a lot of complex things there and I don't think that's my place. Yeah, no, Not I I completely, completely understand that. I completely yeah. understand that. Yeah.
0: Daniel has a complicated family situation it's as very well.
2: complicated, man. Yeah. Um, but let's just say there the there was there was dysfunction. Um but there was also a lot of love too. Same. You know, um, you know this whatever it is is what it is. Yeah, it's a mixed um, bag. <laughs> very much so, a mixed bag. You know there was a lot of like gay jokes there was a lot of um passive commentary about stuff about people being gay and it wasn't just in the core family it was in the entire family it was my grandparents it was um not like well i haven't like just gone hate these damn gays you know nothing like that it was just passive commentary but nothing positive um and it just seemed to be like the norm everywhere. It was the same in school. I went to school through a piece of law called Section Twenty Eight in the UK, which from nineteen eighty nine to two thousand and three, which was basically my school in Korea, and uh, more or less, um, there was a complete ban on LGBT education or the promotion of. So that meant if you had a gay kid in school and they came to your teacher and said, thinking gay," they weren't. They were legally. Uh, it was illegal for them to have that conversation with that kid. They were not allowed to have it so in school um I think quite a few teachers knew I was gay My mum knew I was gay from a young age She was just I could just kind of tell you know like moms can just kind of tell yeah I've always been you know, it's it is, what it is. like just just have just have and I've always had like this weird way of speaking, whatever, um, but a lot of lot of signs. And I was deeply homophobic to myself and deeply homophobic to anything gay. I was yeah. like, I wasn't, you know, it, I, I think if it went unchecked long enough, I would be preaching yeah. like the Bible and then sucking dick in the background somewhere. Like, <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, you know, for a fact, those preachers are doing that, right? You know.
1: <laughs> Some of them have got to be man. But, you know, you mentioned the, the language and that you were hearing growing up around your, your family and stuff. It must be particularly difficult to hear it from the family. Like I had that experience more from peer groups growing up, not from my family. Like no one in my family would say things that I felt made me feel like being gay was wrong maybe from the religious standpoint like catholicism like i was also raised that way yeah but in school among peer groups and especially among boys and stuff it was very common to refer to anything you did not like as gay that's gay that's gay this is gay whatever's gay and it was usually it was something that was negative negative and you, you you internalize that when you're very young you start to associate that word and, and later you don't even know what it means at first and later on when you start to realize what it means you realize oh like i'm that and then you start to realize well every time they use this word they're referring to things they don't like i'm something that isn't liked i'm something that doesn't deserve to be liked i'm something you know unlikable and you very much yes you internalize that shit as someone you know coming up in an environment like that i get it you know like i'm 30 so i came up i was born in 1990 we're kind of similar in age you're like three years three years apart and brent was i'm
0: 82 and 82. so i'm five so. years older
1: so you know things are different now for sure kids coming up now and a lot of places have it for sure a lot better then definitely we did. There was no positive reinforcement at all for this. Um we didn't really have anywhere to turn. You know, we just kinda had to figure it out on our own.
2: So did you say you were forty?
0: I'll be forty 30 minutes, on the fourth of November.
2: God well, damn, you look good for forty, man. Thank hey. you. Hey. Thank that you. I try. Good. I'm getting pudgy. Yeah. I've got the 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 spare I'm already there I'm already there I've got the castrate body what happens when you lose your balls and you can't make muscle you literally can't no. do muscles properly anymore it's like that's my excuse so, well
1: be. if you supplement it like if you take like testosterone would it help with muscle growth like say if you're in yeah which yeah. it would so. yeah
2: uh, I mean, what I'm ideally trying to get is a little bit of testosterone, but a little bit of oestrogen at the same time to mimic the natural levels. But okay. they're like, you have one or the other. If you're a man, you take testosterone. If you're a woman, you take oestrogen. And I'm like, yeah, but you took away your balls, so it's not that simple anymore, is it? But yeah. so, um, where were we? We were talking about. <laughs> Definitely
0: jumped ahead a we bit. We were there. talking about yeah. uh, derogatory language yeah. in the family. Com- about that's up, gay.
1: Yeah, coming up ah. from your, your working class, so, in your family, just hearing things from your family about you know just gay being negative and you know so I guess talk more about that and just do you think some of that had to do with your confusion about whether or not you are actually a boy? I
2: didn't think I wasn't. A boy, I I actually didn't question whether or not I was a boy until much, much older. It was, when, it was when I was like a teenager that I really started to question it because of everything that happened. Up until that point, I was like, I'm gay as fuck or no, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yes. no. I know. Oh, 13-year-old no. me yes. had
0: that realization. Oh,
2: no. Oh, no why no oh no I was I knew it when I I had my first major crush when I was about eight or nine I'm one of my best friends and I was just like infatuated with him yeah. and I was like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> but what happened was um I had really bad OCD from a very young age really bad like intrusive thoughts and horrible intrusive dreams and uh, nightmares and um. By the time I got a seven, seven or eight, the LCD was so bad that I started having the ritual, ritualistic behavior. The the check in the, you, you know, you do stupid shit that doesn't make sense. Like when you're going upstairs, if you don't go back three steps up two and then back three up one, your whole family's gonna die. <laughs> that sort of shit, right? Or if you didn't do that it would mean because you're gay. Then then it was that sort of wrestling. Um so I had I had that very early on with the the thoughts because I knew I knew I was I didn't know the word and for because I don't think anyone can like say it and ate the gay, right? I, you can. But I knew I was different. I was like I'm not the same as My brother. I'm not the same as my friends. I'm not the same as maybe one or two of my friends who probably gay now, lost contact. Never mind. And so there was lots of instances like that. There was times where I would talk to a family member. They were like, "What do you want to do when you're older? Have you thought about it?" You know, when I was like 11 or 12, and I'd be like, "I think I want to be a solicitor." Well, you don't want to be a solicitor. They're all gay, and I'm like, "Oh." and uh a weird stereotype by the way but whatever um there were times where and I'll solicitors never... are lawyers right sorry
0: it's like a, the what you guys call a lawyer so yeah yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah same thing uh, Um, there was a time when we were me me mother father and i think my brother might have been there he might not have been i think he might have been I would have been about eleven or twelve, maybe twelve, or on holiday. I think what in the one of the Canary Islands, which is a very popular holiday destination for for British people. We'll love we we'll fucking love the Canary Islands, like Lanzarote and Grand Canary and all that shit. Um anyway. So <laughs> and um there was a very clearly gay guy walking in front of us. He had like A little leather hat on, he was wearing leathers with studs on, and he was walking very effeminately. And me dad raced a few steps ahead of us. Keep my was about, I don't know, maybe 10 yards in front of us. He raced a few steps behind and mimicked him exactly. And me mother was just laughing, just thinking it was great. My mother's not a bad person, me dad is a funny guy, but it was like, that i wasn't i was just thinking fuck when he was doing that and there was loads and loads of things like that not that he was like taking the piss out of gay people all the time but there was loads of homophobic instances there was another time we were on holiday another holiday a few years like when i was about 15 and it was just me and my parents and um my dad noticed a gay couple nearby, and he made sure that we didn't order any glasses and we only had bottles, in case AIDS. <laughs> yeah, just so dumb too. Like, no offense to dad. Wow, <laughs>
0: it's just so dumb it's like, it's Well, like, but dude. there
2: was there was that. That was a stereotype. But like, you don't the, understand how bad yeah. the how bad the it, it, words propaganda dumb. was. Yeah really yeah. bad like you were you were
1: you were a leper if you had it like people didn't want to go near you they didn't want to talk it to you so many you. so Burn many, your house down so many people died alone you know just because they're yeah. you know their loved ones couldn't see them or didn't want to see them because they were afraid it's sad man it's, it's,
2: very sad. Sad. it's very sad but i knew that i was you know i was, I was gay and um I was also gender non and I couldn't be either of those things. So that drove us to basically dress up in secret. Um, and I, it, was, it was different for me in the sense that it didn't really become much sexual till I was an older teenager. But what I would tend to do is just sit there with that item of clothing on and just feel better for it, you know? And that was because I was trying to like express some form of femininity in a closed environment. You know what I mean? And unfortunately I brought that a little bit online with us um when I was very young to the attention of older males who went wild for that sort of thing, I'm afraid. Um that's a whole other fucked up story though. And so grown up didn't have very positive experiences um didn't have a good outlook had a fucking horrible mental health hadn't hadn't been in any relationships surprised like why the fuck i tried it i tried once or twice to to like force myself to like women but i don't know if you've what ever tried it does very...
1: not work if you. <laughs> really. If you're straight up gay, you're you're straight up gay, man. There is no way to like change
2: that. No,
1: there's <laughs> yeah, no, it
2: there really is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nothing was like activating or anything like that in those instances. And I was just like, "Oh, I'm just tired." You know, I'm I'm tired and I'm gay. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you
1: know. My life, story of my life. I'm tired and I'm gay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. So. That's basically the uh, a snapshot of some of the homophobia, but that was quite that was just constant. And by the time I got nearly twenties, and I found the whole gender dysphoria bullshit when I was like twenty four, twenty five.
1: So you were you were already much older. You weren't like a teenager teenager when you really no. discovered that stuff. No. I think that's an how important is. point, you know, because yes it is affecting the young people a lot right now because they're more susceptible. But the fact that so many people who are older are still doing this too wow. and the training, you know, it goes to show.
2: What's the difference between a twenty three year old and a twenty six year old? Three years. Three years. Mm. How much how much difference is that? How much difference is there between a 21 year old and an 18 year old an 18 year old and a 25 year old and a third like you know you've got a lot of social development that happens like you are like if you look at yourself when you are 18 25 30 35 now those are not the same people by any long stretch of the imagination Yep. and it's not just experience it's like your brain and body might stop developing when you're around twenty-five or twenty-six, but the pathways, um, and the 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 formation of the brain does not finish until you're in your early thirties. It yeah. just does, and it's like we we've got this narrative that when all of a sudden when you hit twenty-five you're fine, and you can just whatever, and it's like no, this shit happens to anyone who's vulnerable and. If you're a gay kid, you're going to be a gay adult. If you've got unresolved trauma as a kid, you can have unresolved trauma as an adult. Why the fuck would that be any different?
1: It's a very good point. It's a very good point. Yeah, man. it's, It's just, I still can't believe that this is happening as widespread that it's happening. Um, It's like institutionalized medical malpractice. There's something, there's going to be so many damaged, angry young people and they're, they're going to be angry at their parents. They're going to be angry at these, you know, institutions and they're going to say, you know, why didn't you get me to question this? Why didn't you at least like, you know, stop me in some way or try. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy because so much of this stuff too, like I do understand that, you know, parents are scared. I know there are i know they're they're not all like homophobic i'm sure there's a lot of parents that want to be a part of this and then when their kid confronts them with that they don't know what to do when their kid is telling them they want to kill themselves and this sort of thing they don't know what to do and i think naturally they want to try to do what is best for the kid but i think they too the parents get swept along into the ideology the medical professionals all these people start telling them this is what you have to do to protect and save your kid
0: people trust their doctors they I do. mean they and when the doctor says that your child has this problem yeah. and this is the solution
1: yeah that's the problem is they're calling it a solution though when this is it's new. not it is experimental it's not a solution we've never done this on this scale before like it's been experimented on you know there have been people who like Buck Angel and things like that like there are people who were doing this very early but on this scale, like, isn't it like a five thousand percent increase over like the last couple years in, in visits to gender clinics, uh, particularly among young girls in the UK? Like, that's an eight
2: hundred percent increase I think, in
1: four years that's an insane statistic and that should get people to take pause and be like, well, maybe more of this is social contagion than we think. And, you know, how do we weed
2: out this? To through- come, out, yeah. to come out with this bullshit about left-handism. Like yeah. in in the 1900s, left-handism was banned. And then all of a sudden everyone, you're allowed to be left-handed now. And is this, it, it, it's just because you're allowed to be. And it's like, shut the fuck up you've been allowed to be trans for ages right if it was if it was a case of would you be allowed to then surely they've just argued against themselves because they've been allowed to transition for a much much longer time than when the contagion spread and the contagion spreads beautifully with the um the vast increment in social media users between 2010 and 2015 yeah. across all platforms. Um look at the numbers, look at how much um, the internet grew from the year 2000 to 2020. Yeah. And look at how much uh, social media platforms have grown too and its average users. And it's like this all coincides and it's it's no accident that when you take away all if you've got a kid that is R.O.G.D. and thinks they're trans, take away their internet, take away the electronics, give it two months, guarantee you you'll be fine. <laughs>
0: did you did you hear the story? I, I heard a story of a father whose daughter, uh, and they were living in a very captured area in in the Midwest. I think it was like outside of Chicago, and he was presented, but with this this, you know, daughter deciding that, you know, she's actually a boy, um, and she was getting affirmed at school and the school was like trying to encourage them father, you know, was like, yeah, okay. Let me, let me put that on the back burner. Let me think about that takes his whole family and moves them like a hundred, 200 miles West, like sort of a small town, like out in the middle of nowhere, new school, new teacher within like, it was like a month, the kid was back to normal, no problem. And yep. luckily that father had, a, he was like self-employed and working from home. So he could just sort of like up and move
2: their whole family. But- You shouldn't have to do that though, should you? Exactly, exactly. It's like parents get a lot of slack. So parents are like, their hands are tied behind their back. They're in a double bind. you either a firm and you've affirmed the damage. You either don't affirm, and you drive them away, and destroy your relationship potentially. And you may, you know, what all these like suicide baiting threats never come true. They they are just baits. Um,
1: it's also a manipulative thing to do.
2: You know, it's whether- a narcissistic yeah. manipulation too. And if you tell them that that's manipulative, and then you tell them the mechanisms of, well, actually, what you're doing is a. A way of controlling people through their emotions by giving them the, you you basically put all the onus on them and all the control in them when in fact all the control is on you. You're like, if you don't do this, I will kill myself. Therefore, you have responsibility. And people believe that shit and it's like, hang on, no way. I'm not accepting that. If you want to kill yourself, go for it, friend. I wish you, I hope you don't. But that's on your fucking head. Yeah. You know what it's I mean. No one, no one's fault. You know. I would have to say it's on. If I've had people tell us straight up, um, you know, the stuff that you're doing is is killing people and all this sort of shit, and I'm like, um, actually, what you've actually just proven is that the biggest danger to trans people is themselves.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And that needs noted. There is not an existential threat, but from yourself. Yeah.
1: You, you telling your story is not the reason that they ended themselves, you know, something in them is the reason that they have not contended with. That's what it comes down to. But they'll, they'll switch it around. They'll try to project and they'll say, oh, it's because Richie, you know, put that, that dangerous rhetoric out there, right? You know, that led to these people, um, ending their lives, but that is, it's disingenuous, you know, it takes the responsibility off of them. And like you said, it takes the power away too, and it gives it to someone else's.
2: But it's, it's all, it's all this death affirmation, you know, this, uh, death, it's cause it's a death cult, the whole thing. Let's get um, into that. Let's get in. There. I wanted to talk
0: about your thread with, uh, on dead naming. If, um, unless there's anything else you wanted to any yeah. final thoughts you wanted to wrap up, uh, with your story? Yeah. You good? Um, so let's get into that. So you had this wonderful thread.
1: I'm going to pull it up. Um. Let's see, Richie. Where is Richie? Richie's right here. Yeah. Well, this is an interesting subject too, in light of Jordan Peterson. So I guess maybe we can kind of start off with that a little bit. But I don't know if you saw what happened with him and the whole uh, Ellen Page thing. He no, I didn't see it. Uh, I made Elliot, something. Ellen, whatever. He, you know, <laughs> the Page, the Page. He named <laughs> Elliot as all oh, right. Okay. On Twitter, and okay. you know, in a post that he made. And then he got uh, he got locked out basically. And then he refused to delete the tweet, and he just he kind of made a statement video about it instead, saying that this is absurd, you know. So, yeah.
0: When we go so, to this view mode, it kind of slims the camera just snidgin.
1: And this topic's interesting because it's like, what about people who like say are trans but just change their name? Like, yeah,
0: well, that's is, it like, ag- is it against she, the rules for she me she to got use into that? their name? You know, yeah. it has the thread talk about dead names? You know, and one of the things, you know, he said is that uh, when a person gets married and takes their partner's family name, they don't refer to the previous name as a dead name. And why not? Because uh, even people who change their name for other reasons, aside from being trans, do not refer to this as a dead name. And then it's like you said, he gets into saying that it's an obsession with death. There's this whole idea that the person that you were is now dead. Yes. That makes sense. And then you become this new person. You have hmm. had this like trans birth, and it's in it's it's an obsession with death and dying. And it's interesting because when you think about what happens, a, a completely transsexual person is effectively uh, you know sterile for most of like if, if you're M to F, you're definitely sterile. Um, if you're F to M, you can still so that's the weird thing. I, these F to M. Um,
2: not always. Depends. That have, they get pregnant. I'm just like, how does that not, like, well, do... some of them do have her hysterectomies. Some of them don't. But the problem is if you take tea for too long a period of time is your ovaries will um, die. Mm-hmm. They just they eventually have to get removed. Wow. Because they're just not, it's like, you, you have a similar thing with your testicles over a long period of time, like eventually they just shrivel up and yeah. they, don't, they don't cause any major issues. But with some people, it's recommended at a certain point, to like get them just taken off anyway.
1: Yeah,
0: it makes sense. You know, it, it's like if you're going to, that's the whole thing with the transitioning. It's like you either, it's permanent, it's not reversible. And once you do it,
1: you're you're definitely yeah. uh, in for it. Yeah, which is the danger with the whole affirm, affirm approach, because just they don't let you know that. (laughs) That's what it comes down to is they, they really aren't making that really understood to people who are coming to these clinics and stuff like, look, just so you know this stuff has these this permanent you know like if you do this for a certain amount of time and you take these hormones things will happen to your body that are irreversible and definitely if you choose to remove certain parts uh they probably can't be put back on and really emphasize that to them.
0: <laughs> and richie do you just want to go through and hit these points for people who may be listening and can't read the screen
2: yeah sure so um i'll not read the entire fred verbatim i'll just i'll just yeah. say it i'll just say it off like off the top of my head um so the whole point in a dead name is to reference the previous life and the previous person that you were as a dead identity because something that is dead is it's ceased it can never be recovered it's finalized, the chapter is finished, um, done, finale. Um, rather than, say you want to use word to change your name for any other reason, and people do it for a multitude of reasons. Some people do it for religious reasons, some people do it for safety reasons, but they do not ever, in any instance, refer to that old name as a dead name. They might be like, don't go by that name, it's dead to me, but they wouldn't call it a dead name. The whole purpose of calling something a dead name is to reinforce that narrative that your identity as trans is more alive than your identity prior to being trans. Therefore, it was dead. Therefore, you are better and happier now than you ever will be um, in any other circumstance. And it also means that you can, because that's a dead name, that's a dead identity. You can reforge and rebuild a brand new identity. Now, that new identity, this is why you're always, and it really fucking, like, when I noticed, when I really sat back and noticed what was happening, it really, like, like striked it as bizarre because you get a lot of trans people who will refer to their trans name in third person when they're speaking about themselves. And it's like, for instance, say somebody was picking a name and they're like i'm going to be called jolene and they're like i wonder what type of music jolene likes or what type of clothes jolene should have and they do this really weird fucking thing where they talk about themselves but it's a different person and the reason they're doing that is because they're constructing a character they're creating um a brand new identity of the individual who they want to be and that individual isn't just their true selves it's often in a lot of cases it's a reflection of their sexual target. So a sexual target is the, when you see someone and that like makes you, um makes your body go, ooh, that's very nice. And you get lots of sexy thoughts and you get horny basically, that's a sexual target. So what they've done is a lot of them have conflated that sexual target, which is being a woman with their own identity. And it's kind of been like a mismatch. Um, and what tends to happen is you get very sexually fueled trans people because of it, because they're modelling their sexual identity onto this. Anyway, one, a dead name, some tangent. And so let's go back. So because it's all linked up. So um, the other thing is it, it reinforces a, a narrative which is constant, which is your life is at threat. Death, death, all around. Fear, fear, fear. Remain in fight, flight, or of freeze. Remain alert. Remain on guard. Um, because the the constant mention of death sends people into an anxious state. It's like when you see red, or you see any like blood color. It like it will make you anxious. If you see a splatter of blood on the pavement, it will make your heart race straight away. And you're like, oh, God, why is the blood there? You know what I mean?
1: I'm just thinking about uh, the media blasting the COVID numbers 24 7 all over the television, yeah. that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's same same thing. Um, so, one of the, the main things uh, that reinforces this death narrative is the veneration of the dead, which um, is the celebration. And the martyrdom of dead trans people. So, to the movement, a dead trans person is worth far more than an alive one. Hmm. And the reason is if you die when you're trans, you can be martyred for life under the T door list and have your name read out, and you'll be forever. um, So, you can never speak ill of that person. You You can't speak ill of the dead anyway, but it goes doubly for them. Who dare, who dare look into the names of Trans Day of Remembrance from the outside? Like, if you're unattached to this discourse completely, why would you look into those names on the Trans Day of Remembrance list? Why would you bother? It would be cruel and heartless, right? You're just going to take their word for it that if it's on that website, it must be real. So you, what I would encourage people is to look at the stories and look at how they framed the death. And this is one of the reasons why when I was, so I had surgery in 2018. I was devastated for ages. I, I fucking hated what I had what done to myself. Really, really depressed. Um, locked inside my own head. And I was very much like, well, I could just kill myself sort of thing. And I was very much in that mindset. But I was trying to imagine like, I couldn't leave the guilt of that with any family or anything like that. Yeah, and I got so angry because I was, I was thinking, I knew, I know what would happen. Trans people who I don't even fucking like and never seen eye to eye with would pretend that they were my best friend, and there would be like, yeah. you know, like the whole, oh god, I miss them so much, You know, Right, <laughs> I've seen it happen. For and real, and I'm like, I'm not being a fucking martyr for this bullshit. I'm not doing it.
1: So I wanna I'm... address one point though on this. You'll be a martyr unless you're the wrong kind of trans person. Unless you are say, um, Dave Chappelle's comedian comedian friend Daphne, who ah. stood up for Dave and then got attacked and cancelled by the trans community and the LGBT woke community and then ended up ending themselves. Yeah. Uh, if you were that type of trans person you're not a martyr anymore. You're you're an apostate, whether you whether yeah. you're detrans or not. And Daphne was not detrans, so
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Care, man.
1: they will come for you. You know, if you betray the yeah. religion, you're not a martyr anymore. <laughs> so, so if
2: if you're gonna betray the religion, you need to do it in a fantastical way. You need yeah. to be like all in. You can't in. go, you yeah. can't go half hearted. You, you know what I mean? You've got to really go all in, and that's when I start. When I opened that Twitter account, I was thinking, I can't get four, five months in and think this is too much. I need to stick with this to the end till I've done what I've needed to do, and um, and I haven't like mapped it out in a plan. I'm not like an evil genius, and now it's just fucking like a general sort of gist of where things are going. Um, no, I and, think it's
0: important because you're yeah. putting. Information out there that people do not get exposed to. You're sharing the stories that they need to hear, yeah. especially all these young parents and young kids that are, you know, starting the journey down this path. Like these are stories that they need to hear because they're not going to get them from you know the doctors, the teachers, the mainstream media. Yeah. So. Wow this as, as the work that we can do to to get that out there, it's important. So, thank you for yeah. for joining us in that mission.
1: So, so I want I wanted to end on one last kind of topic. That oh, I have there. more things. Standing. Oh, this is only. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: we could go for another. We had sure, another we hour. Go you got another one. hour.
2: Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, yeah, um, Would you mind if we like br- like had a little break and then resume so Oh then yeah. We
1: can yeah. Totally we could do, do a that. little break for sure. Yeah. yeah.
2: And yeah, just so I can get a coffee, have a cigarette. Yes. Yeah, you I'll should. take a break. Yeah, let's take a break. Yes, yeah, yeah, so let's take thing. a break. Um, we have. Are you familiar with Rachel Levine? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Rachel oh. Levine recently. Oh, my God, New York, shut up. It's so loud. Um, this is like just a 23 second. This is really quick. Oh, God. I don't know which one you're going to play. <laughs> It's a it's a short one, but you know I think these talking points are important to put out there just so that we can counter them. Um, let's see. So here we go. Here's Rachel Levine, just really quick. This Rachel, Rachel, yeah, Rachel. Levine. Don't Gender
2: affirming care is
1: life saving, medically necessary, age appropriate, and a critical tool for healthcare providers. As a pediatrician, when it comes to making sure kids are healthy and happy, I know how important care that affirms someone's true identity can be.
0: So, <laughs> just
2: reading off a teleprompter there, but uh, th- true th- identity, true identity. Why do you? Why are you so certain you know a child's true identity?
1: And why are you so certain that a child already knows their
2: true identity? <laughs> I don't know, like I. don't this... it's it's and also as a pediatrician you should know better Rachel Levine like sure. you really fucking should know really better should. that what the research actually shows is that a vast percentage like up to the like the 90% range will naturally desist naturally and you're putting them on a course that is going to give them um that you've destroyed the sexual function. Most like most of these kids aren't able to experience any orgasm um at ever. You've got the underdeveloped organs, you've got the underdeveloped brains, which is causing a range of cognition and emotional development issues. Um you've got the plethora of health issues, the reliance on medication for life. Apparently um jennifer Billick has done all the numbers on this and apparently they administer one puberty blogger can um cost up to forty thousand for dollars for one administrator but the same drug that gets given adults because i had i had what was essentially a puberty blogger when i was because this is again so the way the treat um patients in trans healthcare is if you're a teenager, in your 20s, and not always, but mostly in your 30s, they'll give you an antiandrogen testosterone blocker, uh, which is a puberty blocker, plus the oestrogen. If you're older than that, they don't give you the antiandrogen, there's no point, because they know that the body doesn't finish, like, hulking out until your 30s. Like, you you go through andropause at about the age of 39 45, which is when your body's natural testosterone production will slow down. Like, a woman goes through menopause, men go through andropause. Have you ever known someone when they were in the younger days that they were just the love of fucking fight, they're very aggressive all the time, and then you hear... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then you hear... You hear this, you hear this, you say, yeah, but they've calmed down. Why did they calm down? Age? Yes. Andropause is the reason. Less testosterone, less energy, less need to fight, less obviously the psychological issues behind that too. But like, if you want to look at it from like a biological perspective, there's a lot of valid reasons why um you have the anti certain age. Anyway, that was a huge fucking tangent. But going back to the, the problems of neandrogens is um, anecdotal, but I've seen it countless times, it seems to induce psychosis. It seems to induce really fucking, it like the shit that people, either everyone has had horrible trauma and they're all fucked up, or this drug has got something to do with it. Because the amount of people I've seen have full psychotic episodes, full breaks, all sorts of shit. Um, and this was when I was trans, right? And it's like, everyone reports like getting, feeling way better when they stopped taking it. I wonder why. Like after surgery, I didn't need the antiandrogen anymore. And I could feel immediately, um, the months after, like I was less psychotic because I was, I was in a state of psychosis. I felt like the years leading up, I was completely fucking mental. Uh, not aggressive, just mental. <laughs> I don't know any other words. Yeah, unstable, <laughs> volatile. Yeah, absolutely, all over the place. Someone once, um, an old manager of mine actually once described me. She was like, as, just like, you like, you like a ball of fire that just spits in like random directions sometimes, you know. And um, another manager, because me, my trans name was Abby. She was like. We don't know. Some days we're getting abby or we're getting Shabby, because some days I was just I was a right fucker. Like when I was when I was bad, I was bad. But when I was good, I was great. I was like this. I was like very talkative, very engaging. And then the next thing, I was like shut down. I was like very short on me words. And I was the type of like person who was, and I'm naturally. I want to be happy and I naturally want to be bubbly and I naturally want to be like, you know, I naturally want to talk to people and include, like, you know what I mean? I just want everyone to be fucking chill and have a nice time, right? That's my Mm -hmm. nature. Like, if you want to ask who is Richie, that's Richie. Richie just wants everyone to be fucking calm and have a nice time. There's no need for this drama,
1: (laughs) right? For real, the world needs more of that too.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's just, everyone's just like, How are you so, like, happy and shit like this and put together after being through this? And I'm like, as we were saying before, went live. For three and a half years prior, I was in fucking bits. I was not okay. I was barely hanging on. I mean, I was struggling with a lot of different things and I just put it off, put it off. And now I'm like, I've got me purpose. Things aren't good. Things aren't great for me. And I'm not gonna lie. it's not easy. some days are very, very hard fucking days um but because I know what I'm doing is right, um I can feel like I know morally what I'm doing is right, and how I know it's morally right is because when you look enough into the history of gender identity, when you look enough into likes to say John money, you know you know where the morality lies and the morality I'm afraid isn't lying in the transphere. And what, what you've got is you've got a lot of very vulnerable and innocent people, trans people, who are used as the innocent front face and don't hurt aside, whilst a very small minority benefit hugely from this. Um they they want people to be trans, they they want sort of everyone to I kind of want everyone to suffer because they're suffering in a way. It's really, really like narcissistic and muscle. Uh,
1: what's history. that old, the old saying, misery loves company?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um,
1: yeah,
0: it seems. Going back... Oh, God. Sorry.
2: I was going to say, going back to Levine, um, no, you, Levine, leave them kids alone, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we need to recon that song education, you know we don't don't need no gender affirmation (laughs) maybe uh,
1: Roger Waters needs to do a a new version
2: (laughs) we don't need no Cross-sex hormones. We <laughs> <I mean>, um, <laughs> need cross-sex hormones. Yeah, it fits. There's enough <laughs> syllables there <laughs> to set
1: up. That's an idea. Honestly, though, like you, you do. I could see why you, you really have to make light of it sometimes. You do. You have to laugh. You know. I know. I have to do that sometimes. I have to like look at myself and the silly, stupid shit I've done and my mistakes. And you, you have to laugh at yourself a bit. Yeah. How else do you get through such horrible things, you know?
2: Yeah, if you're not laughing, you're crying, right? Yeah, (laughs) for real, man.
0: Also, I think there's there's something particularly insidious about the the language, you know, and this is something that uh, that really goes across the board with the left. They... They manipulate language and they use, they, they lie with vocabulary and their definitions and lexicons. So, gender affirming care, you mentioned John Money. We're you know we familiar with John Money, that infamous pedophile from the mid 20th century who we've first talked, coined yeah. the phrase gender affirmation, yep. yeah.
2: by the way. Well, well, I like to call them pedicels. 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 Yeah, you know, which is basically somebody who hates children because only somebody who hates children could do that at children. Seriously. That's Whereas important. a pedophile is somebody who loves children. And I think it's um, important to get, if we were playing the language game, which is a big part of my shtick, its taking those narratives and tools and twisting it back on them. We need to start from the bottom and we need to start with words like that. We need to start words like child porn, which it's not porn. Yeah, right? it's, it's, it's the child document.
1: Child sexual abuse material, you know.
2: It's the documented sexual assault of children, is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Not normal. Like, and there is no love of children. There is only the hatred of children to do that with a child. To convince yourself that that is for their benefit in any circumstance, in my opinion, is psychotic. And it's the same shit in gender affirming care. To think that you know better, it's in their benefit it's psycho fucking shit right
1: right, so i wanted to talk a little bit about parents again really quick i was going to bring this point up earlier because you know we, we we talked about how difficult it is it must be for certain parents who really do just they want to help their kid and they're kind of caught in this situation where they don't know what to do they're being told by medical professionals to affirm but deep down they feel like they shouldn't but their kid's threatening suicide and things like that well that's one type of situation then there are these parents who are not just caught in the woke ideology, they are missionaries for it. Janet Jennings and, and they they want a trans kid. It's like they want to make one, there's a, a Munchausen by proxy sort of phenomenon going on as well, where some of these parents are they're looking for a trans kid to have as sort of like an asset. It makes them like feel important or some shit. I don't know. Look at crazy. me, I'm such a good yes. parent.
0: I'm affirming my child's yes. gender, and, and
1: so it's like it's not only it's not like even a difficult thing for these parents. Like they're actually like enthusiastic about it. Like yeah, I like my trans kid,
2: and they just they want to push them in that direction. be so like as a parent would you not be devastated if your kid wanted to change their body and identity and wanted to change their name and yeah and i think most parents are devastated and you're right it is an unnatural reaction to be that like sort of yeah yeah let's do it let's do it well let's look at jazz who was a gay boy a very very that storyline was very similar to mine in many respects with the only difference being my, I, I was luckily enough. I used to think I was unfortunate, but I was lucky enough to be born in the back end of the eighties, right? I was lucky enough to have a working class family. I was lucky enough to be detached from all this completely. Yeah, I suffered in my own ways, but I was lucky in in that sense because that would have that could have quite easily happened to to anyone in that in that scenario sorry I'm, I'm rambling but back to jazz jennings and her mother she had a gay kid and she didn't want a gay kid she saw the trans shit, she latched onto it she got the show and it's just been bizarre watching it since and it's like i feel like there's two big like parties watching this there's the people who are watching it because the They're not really looking any deeper. They're looking at it at a surface level. And these are the people who are just like, you know, looking at the news at a surface level. They look at everything with a surface level. These are your normal sort of, why the fuck would I look into this sort of person? It doesn't mean that they're like the drones or it doesn't mean that they're uneducated. It means that they've actually got lives, right? And they're unattached from this and they're probably in reality a bit more and then you've got the other camp who have got a vested interest for whatever reason and they're looking at this from horror and they're thinking look at what you've done to this kid look at how what like how this sort of obsession has drove drove him, and look at how miserable he is look how un-fucking-happy he is right now and um, not not just being on not just having the entire life on reality tv for all that time to go through all this shit yeah and now like you've got an overbearing mother who's feeding you into oblivion and now it's became a and like a a misery porn on jazz trying to lose weight and humiliating jazz and how old is Jazz jennings i think jazz is about 21 now 21 22. yeah and he got the bottom surgery when he was 16. 16. something fucked up like that and it went terribly wrong for him and yeah, it's it's really devastating to to see parents do that, and I hope Jazz finds the discord. Um, maybe maybe we can. Uh, yeah. Open yeah. With Jazz.
1: I mean, it would be interesting down the line to see if someone like Jazz Jennings does come out as maybe D perhaps, and looks back well, at what happened. But people, I, mean, I think. Once like, you have that public image, too, there's that fear of being cast out of the cool kids club and all of that. And I think that's going to make it very difficult for someone like yeah. Jeff to ever contend with what happened.
2: Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of sponsorship and stuff. There's going to be a lot of media engagement. For them to publicly go back on it would be unpopular. But if we're going on like populist things, I can quite easily see two things happen. And we've got a few people who have got, who have had munchausen mothers, who have transitioned them when they were teenagers in the Discord. And what happens is they either get completely abandoned by the parent. They're just like, "You're an adult. Don't care. Whatever. Try to help you. Go fuck yourself." Right? And they're left like, gone, uh, you did this," and they're like, "You're an adult now. Go sort it out yourself." Wow. And they kind of get left. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking. That's... Or all what I predict will happen is you'll get the parents who are just as equally munchy being equally angry about their kid being led down this path and you'll get another form of munchy parents but will be munchy D trans parents okay you can see you can see the cycle that's gonna happen yeah however that's, I, would probably,
1: that's, I didn't even I didn't even think of that, actually, from that perspective, too, that that's what we're going to get as well. You're, we're probably going to see more of these militant parents. I don't want to say militant, but parents who are really going to just jump on and fight this cause, and it's going to become their identity now, too, because of what happened to their kids.
2: Yeah, um, and you do see that a lot, but I, the, there's a reason a lot of them are, because a lot of them literally have. Because this, this happened to me, it was just like, people were, like encouraging you to go no contact like even as a because again people like yeah you were 26 when you're yeah but I was fucking very troubled and a very vulnerable person um and you're telling and I've got people who are like 30 years me senior telling me like with assurance that this is the right thing to do this is how you do it and the part the problem for me was is when I followed their steps initially, it turned everything that said would happen, would happen. Like family would react a certain way. Um, it was obvious really when you think about it, like of course they're not gonna be thrilled. Yeah. Um. I felt good when I changed my name. I felt good when I started my anti-androgens. I felt good when I started, each, like all these things they assured me would happen, happened and I was like, well, they said that these things would happen, they're right. So, I had that implicit trust built in, but the things they're saying are really obvious. But to a vulnerable idiot like me, um, that is very much like, oh, yeah, yeah, they must, they they know what they're doing. So, anyway, back to the D-Trans shit. They will most definitely be parents who will see this as an identity, but they'll be the ones who are trying to pursue justice and get their identity for them. But i'd rather sure. that situation exist than a jazz Jennings situation Yeah, exists. same that same. that is preferable if we're choosing munchy parents i would have that one however <laughs> parents themselves are probably one of the driving forces behind um platforming and support and detransitioners if we didn't have those parents in the background to like, because they've done so much in so many other ways for for us, and detransitioners have done a lot themselves for themselves. But like parents whose kids are still trans, who have came on board with this, have done a lot, and um, and I understand that that there are complications there. But um, I think parents get a lot of bad press and they get the worst deal in all this because yeah. you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't.
1: Yeah, that's basically what I was saying earlier. It's just it must be a difficult um, rock and a hard place to get caught in, you know, a kid who's going through this and then to just like, what do you do? You know, what do you do? Me personally, I would not transition my kid. I would still be scared that they would do something to harm themselves. And I think any parent is going to. And we talked about this earlier, obviously it's not going to be their fault. You know, if someone chooses to do that, that's what they choose to do. But naturally you're going to feel guilty. You know, you're going to feel bad. You're going to feel like maybe I should have done something more. And I think a lot of these parents need to just kind of accept that they're doing what they can and there's only so much they can do, you know, when it comes to dealing with this sort of issue with a child.
2: Right. So the whole better than a dead kid or like saying like, you know, your kid will just kill themselves. There's a very, very calculated and purposeful... ...even though it's not backed up on any research. There's nothing to back up that claim. Nothing. Absolutely fucking nothing. And the reason that they use that term very, very... ...with high effect, which is why so many parents will say... ...until they said that, I thought I had no choice... ...is because um, mothers especially... And fathers are biologically um, programmed to want their offspring to survive in any circumstance, right? We even have this programming for other people's kids. Like, for instance, if you saw a three-year-old toddling in the middle of a busy road with not an adult in sight, something would kick in that you need to go, right? And this is all to do with this biological inbuilt function to make sure the species especially young people survive which is why we have a guttural reaction to bad shit that happens to children yeah because that's our future that's like what you do in our future sort of thing
1: that's a a really great way to to put all of that actually i think it makes a lot of sense
2: so when you tell a parent that their kid's gonna kill themselves it literally sparks That biological response of, I need to protect my kid at any cost. And that is more the feeling aspect. And people don't understand this fully. is so powerful. It can override all logic, all reason. um, And it can make very intelligent, very well put together people do crazy fucking things to the body. Because people are like, well... How did you, how you, like people say you seem really like intelligent and put together and I'm like, yeah, I mean, putting aside the vulnerability, yeah, I'm intelligent, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're Stephen Hogan, right? Don't matter. What does matter is the feeling and need and desire to survive, to live, to that feeling of existential threat, which is the whole dead name thing, to going back to that like your life's constantly at threat um so i've i've just went on a on a huge tangent here no it's it. a good
0: i mean I, you you really wrapped it up pretty well there it it shows that you brought it back to being like the whole death cult thing the obsession with death how like oh your child's going to die if you don't do this and it is incredibly manipulative as you pointed out You know you're hijacking basically the natural biological parental desire to protect their the lives of their children in order to push a experimental medical procedure and where have we seen that very very on on onto extremely young people and and again you know these are this is the future of society you know children are the future rulers the future industrialists the future influencers of tomorrow and to just treat them like uh you know like a resource to to pump out that's the one thing we didn't really touch on is that these the transition surgeries and hormones and treatments you mentioned the one the forty thousand dollars for a lupron injection they were estimating that each each individual person that transitions is somewhere between like you know 750 and like two million dollars worth of pharmaceuticals, you know, just for like the first like 10, 15 years of the transition.
2: I did a little Excel spreadsheet on, um, so what I did is I looked up the cost of um, how much it would be privately to see all the psychiatrists get all my blood tests, surgeries, the hormones, um, the the therapy the, the laser hair removal and um, all the other procedures, eh, the hospital stay, and I worked out in my case alone if I was paying that private, it was over just under half a million. That's wow.
1: holy shit.
2: That's if I went private, but obviously I went through the NHS. But it's like I have, like, like I've I'm I've been farmed. like. Like yeah. the reason they don't give a fuck about people like me is because I've already made them the money, yep, I've already had the sessions I've already like God knows what the truth to the health service too.
1: you're not a customer anymore,
2: so well regard so here's the thing, so this is how they try and treat the transition, ah. Oh, you don't like that we'll just give you this set of hormones uh, oh you don't like the breast growth or oh, we'll give you a mastectomy and and all this sort of shit and it's like no 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 i am not gonna continue being your fucking cash cow i am not continuing playing your shitty fucking experimental game i'm done we're out we're finished i'm suing you actually motherfuckers. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes you're gonna pay me now
2: yes <laughs> That is what
1: we need to see more of honestly i I would love to see you know i don't know if it's gonna be you doing it, but maybe someone can organize like maybe bigger cases or like a like a collective case or something But oh,
0: give it give it five years and there yeah. will be class action yeah There's less less less
1: than probably
2: less than, less, than than months. Months. Yeah. less than eight months less than eight months less than eight months there is already class action lawsuits being hunted in the u s wow. in multiple states. And they have been hunting for people for about a year and a half, two years, and okay. I know for a fact some of them are already going underway.
1: Yeah, this I mean, is all—it's all, all going to come to a head for
2: sure. It's yeah. France, Norway, Sweden, Holland, the UK, uh, Spain, uh, Finland. Wow, and um, obviously, I can't state which states in the US, but. Let's just put it this way. The U.S. is going to... They're going to shit themselves real soon. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun. Because so um, that's, that's what it's about. It's all about having fun, too. Oh, you I got think.
1: to have fun with it. I mean, so,
0: lawfare is one way you can definitely change uh, yeah. what's available. And money I think... Talk. Yeah, money talks. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Let's talk. So the last topic I kind of wanted to talk about before we end was this: this conflict online between JK Rowling and Matt Walsh. And I think it's an interesting topic because it kind of, it it illustrates, I guess, this divide between feminists who are very much a huge part, um, at least a certain wave of feminists. You wanna
0: do a brief recap there? Yeah, do a recap.
1: But like this divide between like feminists and I guess male allies and other people who are trying to fight the same fight and address this trans issue. Um, So long story short, I have to start with Macy Gray and what happened with Macy Gray. So Macy Gray did an interview, I think it was on Piers Morgan, was it? Piers, yeah. Yeah, Piers Morgan. And she- Promoting her new album. Promoting her new album. And she (laughs) stated something about trans people and how we know. I'm not even going to state it here, but the point is she didn't conform to the woke narrative and basically said, you know, biological women are
2: biological women.
1: You change yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And huge firestorm, huge backlash from that. And initially she responded like, well, you know, you guys can identify as whatever you want, but just like fuck off or something. (laughs) So she kind of responded with some fire in response on her Twitter. And then the following day appears. And then something something happened. Something happened.
2: Something oh, happened, we know else. what happened, no know. happened. Blink. Yeah. Macy. Macy, blink twice if they've you right. your hostage. That's what that video felt like. It was like, uh, yes, I, uh, her, shoulders.
0: her everyone, shoulders were so, yes,
2: like,
1: I'm so glad like you brought that up.
0: Language was just so hostage. Yes,
1: the body language gave me that impression too of like, you know, I you sound hostage. She looked so uncomfortable. I'm convinced
0: what they did was they hauled her into a meeting, you yeah. know, with her agent, her publicist, you know, the people that are, like, they probably had, you know, it was her and probably, like, half a dozen people. And they were all just reaming into her being like, if you don't handle this, you know, your sales are going to be, you know, in, in the toilet. You're not going to have your comeback. Like, it's all going to go away. Yeah. And so she just like, okay, just tell me what and I need to camped. do to fix it. But and you so- can
1: tell. You know, like like Richie was saying, and like the, we've observed in that in that interview, you can tell she did not want to say the things that she said. She looked no. incredibly uncomfortable saying that anyone can identify as whatever they want if they want to. It's like you can tell she didn't believe that shit. She
2: couldn't say, but she had like three people pointing rifles at her off screen. That's that's why she was so uncomfortable. I was just like, <laughs> say the words. <legs."
1: laughs> Seriously, man. So that that happened, right? That and. Happened following day you know she does the interview retracts her statements and all of that stuff bows a knee to the woke mob and enter Matt Walsh enter Matt Walsh and Matt Walsh addresses this along with many other people as you know a form of cowardice and that we kind of have to we have to stop excusing this stuff and when celebrities do this and like people who bow a knee to it we're not we have to stop sympathizing with them because it's why this problem continues and i get that perspective i understand where matt walsh is coming from there i think people also need to stop whether you're a man or a woman don't bend oh. and them up jk Rowling now fires back at matt walsh and basically says you know macy gray herself is also a victim as a woman and that it is uh, easier for matt as a man or a man in general to speak about these issues as opposed to a woman i just found her argument disingenuous and i love jk but Matt Walsh has also gotten death threats. Matt Walsh has also faced, you know, backlash for this stuff. Lots of men have, men like me and Brent and other people who've been speaking about these issues. So the reason I bring the topic up is I just feel like these people should be allied. We should be allied right now in this fight. And it it really is disappointing to see them bickering over this minor little point here about how we address Macy Gray, how we should be allowed to fight for this topic and who should be allowed to say
2: what. It's not helping. So, it's it's very easy for, I suppose, Matt Walsh to call Macy Gray a coward when yeah. um, she's releasing a new album, there's a lot of things on stake, you don't know what's happened in the background, um, and you can tell that she had advice given, and the advice was, you need to fucking step back, this could harm us. I suspect the opposite would have happened, actually. I suspect that's I suspect, the same. Yeah. But and I think her doing that might have slumped it. And I think at that point, because there is no peas in the mob, right? The mob had already thrown out the wolves. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They will fucking come after you over anything. So, um, this is where I learned I learned this mistake after trying to have discourse for a few months to find that you just get gaslit. They take the words out of context and they demand answers from you, even when you've got like they'll just come at you and be like you need answer for this and be like no I don't go fuck yourself right. Yes, that's that's, that's yeah. the correct answer. It's yeah, the general
0: so, attitude you need.
2: Yeah. Now, here's the thing: like you really need to stay in your lane with this. I'm D trans. I've spent a lot of time in the medicalization, in the trans community, the detrans trans community. That's my fucking lane, right? And that's the lane I intend to, to ride in. When it comes to the likes of Matt Walsh, as an observer, what I see is someone who made good headway with what is a woman documentary. Because it start the bit when he was in... I can't remember which country you was in, but you were speaking to some, uh, some tribes people in Africa. Yeah. And uh, that was just, that that was like a, a great... Uh, Alex. Alex. We
1: wish we saw more. We talked about the film with Laura yeah. back then on our show. And one of the things, one of our complaints, we both had about it was More tribal people. we thought, well, we thought he was going to go to other places and not just Africa. We were hoping he would go to Asia and some places, you know, other places too, and get some perspective. Yeah. There. And he did. not it was just kind of that one place.
2: And-, and then he spoke to those people who were fucking lunatics as well. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I think Matt Walsh, he had a good standard. He was getting the com- conversation going. And then he went crazy on about abortion. Like, when Roe v. Wade came out, he started talking about how next every state is going to get bad. And I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, if that is your ultimate goal, then you have just kind of, like, put all your cards on the table immediately and just let everyone know that that you you, you have a very set, strict agenda. And I'm very uncomfortable as a male, getting involved in anything to do with abortion, like when it w- when it comes to like the father parental right shit, I think that happens again. Not my fucking lane. Yeah, right?
1: it, oh, that's a whole another subject too. To I, I'm too. just but like right, right. I'm not even gonna. get And it. I have a lot of like new like, views on it.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh I'm not a woman, and I'm not female, and I know that from all my experiences to say that. <laughs> you're you're certain now you're certain (laughs) i am sure i'm sure Uh, yes and and i feel like it is not our lane all we can do is really just sit and be like well what is the best answer here what do you think we should do in this scenario rather than be like this is what we should do for women it's just like well i don't want women telling me what men should do for prostate examinations and how often i know it's a really shit example but that's all we've got right you yeah. know i mean because... it's,
1: the abortion thing is so complicated though because look remember we are dealing with the question of you know when life begins it's not just a woman's body there's another body involved so there's a lot of like nuance to this subject and I
2: they're more alive i've seen those those them swim <laughs> It begins, uh, those little fuckers are alive, man. Those little fuckers are alive. Yeah, I mean, I get it, though, because that issue
1: is very divisive, and I can see why, like, Matt, maybe putting more attention on that just takes attention away from the trans issue. But I don't know. It's just it sucks to see them bicker over that. Personally, I think anyone can speak, speak about anything. That's my view on it. Like, as a gay man, for example, I would never tell someone who's not gay that you don't have a right to speak about gay issues and gay things because you're not gay. I might tell them, well, you're not speaking from the same place as me because I'm speaking from a place of experience. So perhaps, you know, I know a little bit more about this from, from that, but I, I would never tell anyone that they can't speak about an issue because say they're not part of a particular identity group or something like
2: that. I agree, but it's very important that we're staying in. And this is, this is going to extend back to, don't you worry, I'm coming after everyone with it. <laughs> so when it when you hear that when I hear these words AGP are fucking cringe, right? It's like the model itself applied and worked at a time before the internet. It does not take into account social contagion in the internet. And what you have is a bunch of some women who are held in this fever dream that all trans people are just sat there masturbating and own stress it's just not the fucking case it's yeah. just not that straightforward and that easy.
1: yeah that's part of it I mean we didn't even really go into the what's the auto kind and that Auto right
2: hospital. so yeah. back to Mount Walsh he didn't stay in his lane and that was his first mistake um JK coming after him with the things some points just said uh didn't really dissect that too much myself and I agree like it's not everyone's like got all the points on point but most of the things that JK says I'm on board with more than what Matt Matt Walsh says. Matt Walsh to me is very traditionalist and I understand he appeals to a lot of traditionalist people Mm -hmm. but part of the problem now also said is part of his narrative is what leads people like me to transition because in the video he had his boy and his girl like very strictly one blue boy, pink girl. And it was like very, very like clearly divided on purpose. And it was like, that is the type of bullshit that led me here. motherfucker. Well,
1: well <laughs> to his credit though, I will credit him that he did include the segment in, in the film with Jordan Peterson who very much I think addressed that when he talked about personality and often what we're seeing when we think a kid is like, you know, when these parents are looking at a kid and they're trying to transition them, it's like, we're seeing either a very masculine girl or a very feminine boy. And that's fine. Like you don't have to do anything beyond that. You don't have to carve them up. You don't have to try to put them in a box maybe and make them more girly or make them more boy. And he, you know, we yeah. could just accept that there are more feminine, men sometimes and and more masculine women and that's just there's nothing wrong with that you know it it
2: is so matt definitely has some points but i feel like he went too extreme too hard too quickly and he lost a lot of credibility yeah um and what we need is we need people that can speak with firm compassion and firm sort of determination and the need to be intelligent and measured and he didn't do that. He went fucking he went too hard too quick on an issue that he shouldn't have fucking been weighing in on, in quite frankly. And it wouldn't matter if JK's rebuttal was wrong or right. JK because J. K. was a woman in this field, in this era, in that in that discussion, um, I if we're taking sides, it would have to be JK. Not because I'm betraying males, but because people this is the problem when you don't have any good role models to look up to because you you rely on your Matt Walshers and Matt yeah. Walshers. You've got some great points, but to me, I, I and I don't know if you've seen it, but I do get hints of this floating around in the discourse a lot of homophobia. I'm saying. Mm-hmm
1: yeah of course well this is part of why brent and i have been addressing this stuff because we feel like the craziness that's coming out of the lgbtq movement and all that is just inspiring more backlash it is going to destroy destroy the LGBTQ. it's setting us back and this is why we want to have these conversations with people like you and others because we're just like we need to address this and we need to say well look this does not represent all
2: so all we what we need to do is we need to mitigate the damage as it's happening because it was inevitable to happen. This yeah. backlash was always gonna happen. Yep. It's just what can we do to mitigate and the places where we need to mitigate are your Matt Walsh's. Yeah. Because the next step up from the abortion thing and and I know and this is this is the thing I brought about that we've had this threat held against our head for decades about if you come after trans they'll come after lgb next right
1: yeah and it i guess what you're saying is it's like fueling that paranoia people are like well look it's it's true right see look matt walsh started with the trans thing and now he's trying to go for this go for that and
2: but it's not entirely a fake narrative too because this is what exactly is happening in the religious conservative right who are now bringing in the homophobia sorry the homosexual question because it was just the trans question and it's just like we knew this would happen. It's yeah. what we need to do now is mitigate it. And to mitigate it, you really need to to look at people like Matt Walsh and look at the things he's saying and the desperation and the aggression in what he's saying and being like, yeah, it does look like you might see the logic in it, but I see a little bit of unhinged shit going on there and it needs to be checked. That sort of shit has to be checked
1: it's a legitimate criticism. I think the aggression though, I can kind of understand that just, you know, someone high in testosterone and someone who wants to like protect the kids and stuff and sees what's happening. I can get why Matt might come off that way. You know, that kind of protective father archetype almost, but, you know, I do want to give him that one point though, because I think there is something to what he's saying. Although perhaps the way he addressed Macy Gray and that whole situation was a little too harsh. And that point got lost because of the harshness that people really do need to stop bending to this well,
2: stuff. The, the bigger You're point, man
1: or it, woman,
2: you know, and you need to stop coming after the people who get, who get coerced in making statements, because imagine this, imagine we don't know what happens in the background, That's but true. you, you, you just, you made a, you made a scenario that, could have quite easily been the case, Macy. What the fuck are you thinking? You're releasing the new album. You need to backtrack this shit right now. And she's like, ah, "Okay, I'll go do that now." And you know what's crazy going, though? I agree be with Macy. <laughs>
1: but you said earlier that it actually probably could have turned out better for her if she yeah. had stuck. To, and I I think that too. You know, like there would have been an entire. Army of people willing to get behind her and stand behind her. I would have followed her. I would have bought that fucking new album right away. I would have been like, hell oh, yeah! And, <laughs> we
0: and we've seen this, like
1: Gina, Gina Carano, constantly. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, so yeah, Gina Carano famously canceled and then sticks to her guns yep. and then comes back
1: with a new career and all that. A yeah. new, you know, whole
0: new timeline, and she's bigger than ever. And you know, she's get she's working in positions where she doesn't feel like she yeah. has to hide her. Who she is so i feel like you're you're yeah. definitely right like yeah. there's there's definitely uh your know, people and and that comes to that speaks to the fact that our views on these issues are a lot more common yeah. in the general population it's just the general population doesn't have the, the powers. Powers. they don't yeah they don't no. not, they don't have the vocabulary they don't have the time to to look into these things but when they hear it you know it rings true Because, you know, it is, we're sticking, the whole idea is to stick more closely to objective reality. So
1: I guess to to try to understand Macy's side of this a little more, you know, I can see why that pressure from people around you, when everyone around you is kind of telling you that this is what you have to do she she probably wasn't even aware that she would have the amount of support that she would have if she chose to do the opposite and they're certainly not going to let her know that that there you know a lot of people who supported her if she had could stayed in that you know position that she took instead of backtracking but it is what it is look i get jk's point and yours i think you know we do have to be a little more sympathetic and understanding because people who do speak out, they're gonna they're gonna get a lot of backlash for this stuff. Yeah. If not, everyone's gonna be able to handle it. Those people will cave. You know, maybe they initially they feel strong and then they jump in and they think they could handle it, and then then they realize like, oh shit, I'm in way over my head with this. Again you don't know what happens in yeah. that kind of, you really but, don't. Yeah. Um, but I will I will give a bit to Matt as well and acknowledge that there is some truth in what he's saying and we need to find a way to kinda of get people to feel that empowerment so they're not so afraid and they don't cave to that yeah. coercion when it does happen, you know. So maybe so, we can get a Cease, cease fire. Yeah. Cease fire is what I say.
2: Cease <laughs> fire. Stop your bickering, stop your yeah. For <laughs> real man. Stop, just slow, whatever real. it is. If you're about a tweet of somebody, this fucking T.R.A. Stop, stop Yeah. You know, take a walk, touch grass, <laughs> touch fucking grass, my friends. Smoke them too if you must. Oh. Hell yeah. They, I think this is the
1: perfect note to end on, actually, on a more positive note. Yes, but, it hmm. is. Let's don't rem, don't
0: forget, everyone, to like, subscribe, comment. All the things. You can follow Richie
1: at uh,
0: Tulip R. That's T-U-L-L-I-P-R on Twitter um is there anything else you wanted to to plug richie and, and any final
1: thoughts that you
2: might have for people listening um jk is based jk is based <laughs> stay definitely <near laughs> line, uh, stay in for you and yeah. thank you uh,
0: so much for making the time yeah, to, to come it. and have a conversation we would love to have you back at some point in the future i would love to i would love to um, yeah
1: with, with the lawsuit the lawsuit and all of yes, that Yes, that's going to be sure. definitely yeah.
0: something that we can talk about and we should blow up
1: yeah because when there's when you have any updates on that and any developments in that for sure you know we'd love to have you back on to tell that yeah. and let people know I'm
2: very excited Can't wait well, richie,
1: you- thank you so much richie have a nice day thank you thank you
0: okay. until next time guys